0: The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpncom give. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Trek episode 133.
1: Captain DeBridge, Spock here. Thank you, Cell. So. Surrender is not an option.
2: Attention Crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk.
0: Today, we're discussing Terra Firmer Part 2, the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery. And joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, remember to like The Secrets of Star Trek on Facebook, where we're at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. Retweet us on Twitter, where we're at sqpn. And leave us comments wherever you find us. We love to hear from you and see what you think. So this is the second part of the two-parter featuring the, uh, the, the fate of Philippa Giorgio, the mirror universe emperor. Uh, and as you might recall, where we ended last time, they, were, they had gone to this planet to solve the, the, the problem of her molecules being both out of time and in an alternate dimension, which is apparently a fatal <laughs> disease. And the sphere data had sent them to this planet where they encountered Carl. A man dressed in 20th century garb who sent her through a door and she apparently went to back to the Mirror Universe to her time prior to when Discovery jumped over and uh, with but she has all of her knowledge of what happened subsequently and we have this moment where she arrests the Mirror Michael uh, instead of having her killed.
1: This was because Mirror Michael and Mirror Lorca were plotting a coup against her
0: right so one of the things i think you said jimmy last time was that you you felt like this episode had to have Mira lorca in
1: it not that it had to have but that it would be disappointing if it didn't and so it was disappointing and that it didn't
0: <laughs> it would have been nice to see jason isaacs again uh as lorca but they give us yeah
1: reasons if you're if you're going back to the day of his coup you want to show him
0: right you know right. right so he disappears we know why Yeah.
2: Yeah, I almost get almost get get the feeling that they're just implying that by this time he had already jumped over to the prime
0: I universe. think so. I think that's the uh, that's the implication. Yeah.
2: By by the way, uh, I don't think we mentioned it last time because I don't know if we knew or not, but Carl was named for Carl Sagan, the, oh. the oh. physicist. Yeah. And there's a reference to one of his books later in this episode, oh. towards the end of this episode. So we will bring that up when that comes.
0: Okay. Uh so we pick up from where we left off before where Michael demands the mirror michael everyone until we i tell you otherwise it's just going to be mirror so i don't have to keep saying it over again but michael <laughs> demands to be killed uh every moment that georgia waits is another sign of how weak she has become is so we have this idea that this the people of this mirror universe which we're continuing on from the original series that power strength you know the mercilessness is seen as strength and uh Giorgio is not is showing mercy, and that's seen as a bit of a weakness.
1: Yeah, although in her mind she's actually stronger because she's realized that you can do things better if you're a little less merciless.
0: Right, for a little less bloodthirsty, frankly, because <laughs> yeah. because she's she puts Michael through uh, a lot of pain and suffering in this,
1: you know, he's... and and this is interesting. So her character arc in the in this episode is she is not as conscious conscienceless as she was before her encounter with the prime timeline and she she thinks I'm back and I'm gonna rule better now and that means in at the moment I'm gonna have to do some really ruthless stuff. But a long term, I can navigate the situation and moderate the way the Terran Empire governs so that it'll be better for everybody. And in this way, she's kind of like Claudius in the novels, I Claudius, where Claudius, he's secretly a Republican at heart, but he knows he's in an empire, not a republic. And so he's he's willing to do things and set things up, some of which are kind of merciless in order to bring about what he thinks is going to be a long-term good. Uh, One of those things is because he's had a prophecy from the Sybil that um, she that strangles in the strings of Perth and labors beneath the punic curse before she mends must sicken worse. He knows that Rome has to get worse before it's going to get better. And so he takes this, let all the poisons that lurk within the mud hatch out approach. Let's purge all of the badness. From Rome, and let's let Nero do that. And then they'll be so sick of Nero, they'll restore the Republic. (laughs) And that worked out about as well for Claudius as this goes for Giorgio.
0: (laughs) That's right. Well, one of the interesting things here is that, that Michael reveals to her the fate, like what we know to be the fate of the Terran Empire, which is the Andorians and the Klingons and all the rest are gathering together to rise up to overthrow the Terran Empire, which is, as we know, again, is what's going to happen as we saw in in DS9. And so the irony here is that Michael is right that the weakness of Giorgio is going to lead to the downfall of the empire, which then gives rise to another equally bad empire in, in many ways. Uh, so th- th- that's kind of interesting. Giorgio then says, it's the same complaint of every parent about their re- rebellious child. Why can't they just believe what I say? Why do they only learn from pain? Yeah, Which is yeah. kind of. Although she, she
1: uses a, a more interesting word than uh, than complaint. Uh, she says it's the orison of every parent. And orison is another word for prayer. It's the prayer of every parent. It's from the Latin orationem, meaning a speech okay, or okay. an oration.
2: OK, OK. Well, I'm sure you know that feeling, Domio. you tell your kids. Don't touch the stove when it's on. Don't try to overthrow your father from the empire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't you have to do you. it all the time.
0: How many times I wake up in the middle of the night, <laughs> a sword on my throat, you know, the, it's just. Gotta a, give him an agonizer timeout. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> just anyone listening, it's a joke. We're not, I'm not torturing my children. Anyway, uh, Giorgio, uh, do, yeah.
2: A public service has already been called. You know, don't worry about yeah, it. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so Giorgio puts Kelly in charge of interrogating Michael and breaking her because she's the most feared interrogator in the quadrant, uh,
1: which is interesting. And so this is yeah, it's also interesting in that she, her her purpose is is not just to bring about verbal compliance on the part of Michael, but to effect a conversion on michael's part and so sh- they're doing t- they're torturing her they're doing to michael what uh what they did to winston smith and so the outcome is they want her to love big mother
0: <laughs> yes I mean, if i did uh creative uh, titles for our podcast episodes for this uh, for this podcast i would totally you put that love big mother
2: <laughs> she loved big I, mother. I, I, yeah i lo- i i love killy in this because she is so exact opposite from tilly yes she's almost gleeful at the uh, at the idea of being able to break burnham i mean you could just she's just about dancing there in her shoes you know getting ready to go and oh goody i get to go and do this
0: and that's again i think what we said last time is we find i find so many of the characters
1: in this alternate universe so much more interesting than their characters from the prime universe including detmer detmer has an interesting character arc in this because she initially in in a a break from the torture she comes in and they've been like trying to get michael to eat and she's not eating so they force feed her they have dr culper force feeder and um and detmer comes in and michael immediately points out you know they're listening And of course, Detmer knows that. And they have reason to believe that Detmer is one of the conspirators. But nevertheless, Detmer bravely says, you should stop this. You're the best of us. This isn't serving anything. You know, go, go, go back to your proper role in all this. And as a result of that, um, once Michael does start to turn and we they visualize that for us not with words but by seeing her finally pick up and start to eat a piece of bread you know which is a nice way of visualizing it rather than for once they're they're showing us rather than telling us that michael is turning and she then uh goes to uh Giorgio and says, "Okay, I'm back on your side. And Giorgio is like, great. Uh, Now you need to convince everybody else in the empire that you can be trusted. And she's got a particularly nice way of doing that, which is you with your own hands have to not only identify, but kill the conspirators. And and that actually is extremely clever, because if Michael has killed her own support base, nobody who might rebel in the future will trust Michael. This is this is a way of preventing Michael from ever being able to do this in the future. And so she and, and because Detmer played a role in turning Michael back to the dark side um, <laughs> or a dark side, uh, <laughs> Giorgio says Detmer can help you. And so we have this sequence. We only get to see one where they kill uh, Landry. They, uh, yeah, well, I was going to say um, it's Rekha Sharma. I was going to say they 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 killed the Cylon chick, um, you know, Right. <laughs> yep. um, but uh, so they we only get to see one. But then they have a bunch of these com badges or insignia to il- indicate all of the people they've killed and michael starts throwing them one at a time on a table in front of Giorgio, and she just dumps this massive load and Giorgio is like is that all of them and oh there's one left it's detmer and she kills detmer
0: right right there in front of her um so i want to jump back a bit uh to 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 an important scene that kind of happens just before that uh which is part of the turn and it says it's a character moment for Giorgio uh so we we get a new opening sequence I should mention that uh, they they did a mirror version of the opening sequence which is
1: this wasn't as good as the enterprise version of the mirror universe opening sequence that was awesome because they they fundamentally retold history from the mirror universe point of view here all they do is change the colors and flip it upside down right right
0: Uh, We are told, by the way, that uh, Giorgio says, you know, here in this universe, strength is power, terror is love. And uh, Giorgio comes to Michael and she says to her she can change as she has. So she's admitting that she's changed in the prime universe. And she tells the story to a sleeping Michael who's been undergoing weeks, if not months of torture and behavioral modification, shall we say. Um, Yeah, this episode occurs over a period of three months. Right. And she tells this story to a sleeping Michael about a time when she was a child and she would have night terrors and she would sleepwalk into a field and there were fireflies and the fireflies would calm her night terrors. And there's a poignant moment where she says something about, um, I I miss your night terrors in, in a sense, because It was a bonding moment for her to be with her, to help her calm amidst the fireflies that in in some ways, as a parent, you like those were the easier thing problems to deal with than
1: your adult problems. Still, I miss your night terrors is a little bit of a no more wire hangers moment. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I
0: I could I, I get it because I have similar similar complicated feelings about like when my children would you know, wake up in the night and we're inconsolable and I have to drive them around in, at two o'clock in the morning, stopping to get coffee at the all night <laughs> McDonald's <laughs> to stay awake <laughs> as I drove them around till they fell asleep in their car seat. I, I don't miss that, but I kind of miss it. it it's mm-hmm. It's a complicated feeling and i so i get that
1: nice nice to visit but not live there forever exactly exactly so
0: there is and so this she leaves a a bowl or something full of fireflies jar yeah with with michael as a helper and we we see this as sort of the 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 narrative turning point for michael uh here and that's then she she gives in swears fealty uh and makes amends by executing her co-conspirators
1: and instead of drinking the Kool-Aid, she eats the
0: bread. You're right. Right. Uh, breaking bread is a very important metaphor in both it, just in human culture in general. Like we sit down to break bread as a sign of making peace and coming together. So there's a there's an interesting metaphor in that as well.
1: Yeah. But in the old days, you had to break it. Today it comes pre-sliced.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. So you
1: get some nice wonder bread.
0: Uh So, Giorgio, and speaking of breaking bread, Giorgio and Michael have dinner. Uh, Kelpian is no longer on the menu, thankfully. That's so creepy. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) uh, Giorgio tells Michael that she believed her warnings about the Klingon, Indorian, etc. coalition and has secretly disrupted it using back channels as opposed to outright violence.
1: And I... I felt a little bit disappointed by that because they had initially introduced it as there is this coalition that you're going to have to deal with. And it's like, OK, great. Major dramatic thing Giorgio is going to have to deal with. And then poof, it's gone.
0: I think it's the idea that uh, they're trying to convey the idea that the, the change Giorgio now does things uh, nonviolently, whereas it would be a you, you Burn the surface of their
1: planets to glass. I mean, now we're doing I, I, it yeah, right, but we should see that again. This is telling rather than showing. I mean, they've put Chekhov's phaser on the mantle and then they tell us it got used off screen.
0: Uh, by the way, uh, Kelpian, uh, it turns out is too high in cholesterol and stringy, so that's why it's no longer on <laughs> the
2: menu. Although <laughs> well, uh, apparently the ganglia is pretty, pretty much a delicacy, yes, so yes, yes.
0: So uh, Burnham says, reveals that Lorca's secret code name was Vicar, which Giorgio says means substitute. And it's, it's interesting that they throw that out there. And it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't
2: go anywhere. But uh, yeah. the idea of, I mean, well, it's, it, it's to belittle uh, Lorca. But, you know, of course, in, in the, the church, we don't really use it in the sense of a substitute. We use it more as representative. You know, when we say that the pope is the Vicar of Christ. He is a stand in or it. Not in the sense of he is Christ, but he or, represents.
1: Or in an Anglican you know, church, the local vicar is the local
2: representative for the, the bishop. Church. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we use that we use that term too. You know, a lot of times you'll talk about the the younger priest being the associate pastor. Well, another term is parochial vicar. Right, right. So he is a representative of the pastor. Right, the, as a younger, priest. it's the
0: voice of. It's the person who is themselves. The, carries the authority of the person that they are representative of of so
2: but she substitute is that. A pretty weak you don't you don't call your substitute teacher your your vicar teacher <laughs> right
1: well yeah so the original latin term is vicarius which can mean substitute and by extension can then mean representative you do actually have some rep- some representatives of high authority called substitutes though in uh, the uh secretariat of state over in rome the he's in terms of administrative power, the second highest official to the Pope is known as the Sostituto. Right, right.
0: That yes, he has the, the the he's like the foreign secretary. If you were to apply that to uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in any case, Giorgio sends Burnham to go find uh, Lorca uh, in a shuttle. I'm not sure why you don't just like take a ship to go. Like it it they don't explain why she's in a shuttle. To go find him, but they—that's what they do. Meanwhile, uh, Saru and Giorgio have become close, and the the this alternate version of Saru, who's now, who's now her personal slave, her body slave, uh, tells Giorgio that he's you know he's go- she's going to need to find another uh, personal servant because uh, he's going to die Varahi soon, and she tells him the truth about Varahi, which is very interesting because that lie is what kept the Kelpians. Uh, subservient to the
1: Ba'ul in our Prime Universe and to the Terran Empire in theirs, and, and this is a great moment where she explains that Vaharai is only a transformation, and you'll come out stronger. And I saw a Kelpian named Saru do this once, <laughs> and uh, you know, very far away, and um, and he his immediate reaction is, "You are not Terran." Yes. <laughs> and, and and of course she is, but she's also not anymore. And she he he tells her, You've got to go back to wherever you came from or they will kill you. And so and Ciro is really on her side here, and this is great. I love seeing this. He then has his own realization of, wait a minute, we've been living a lie. And all of my sister and everybody I've ever loved who has been called because they were going into Vaharai, it wasn't something that was necessary to as an as euthanasia to end their madness. And and she tells him that um, the way you avenge them is by getting through this yourself and then spreading the word to others. So as I predicted last episode, Giorgio would set off the Kelpian revolution by telling him the truth about Vahari.
0: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's amazing. She offers him this kindness, this unexpected kindness. And and again, that kindness is what he says. Okay, you can't be Terran. you're being a little too kind. But uh, yeah, she uh, she says she intends to make this world what it needs to be, uh, which is an interesting fra- way of looking at it. Like, to, to, I'm not going to turn it into the Federation and of the Prime Universe, but I'm going to make this this galaxy, this universe, into and, and the Terran Empire in what it needs to be, as opposed to what it is now.
1: And of course, we know that this is not going to go well for Giorgio. Not only because we've seen other Mirror Universe stories that are set later than this, but also because. The dramatic logic of this story tells us that the message is you can't change the world, but trying is important. Yes. At least in this case, you can't change this world, but trying is important. And you can change yourself. And that's the yeah. key. One of the one, one of my notes at this point in the episode is that I like it. It has extra tension because we don't know who we can trust and when they're going to turn. You know, as uh, because clearly Giorgio is proceeding to do stuff, but clearly she's surrounded by a mass of traitors who could go off like landmines at any moment. And then immediately Michael turns on her again. Right, right. Which actually doesn't make sense unless maybe she didn't kill all of the conspirators or something. But why would anybody trust her after she killed so many of them?
0: well nobody trusts anybody anyway right i mean that's the that's the key message is nobody trusts anybody yeah. I, well, that's one of the things that makes this episode these two episodes so good is because of we're in this mirror universe the only character we know that's going to survive is Giorgio just because we know of the uh upcoming section 31 series uh, and so there is there is dramatic tension in that everyone is is possibly on the line. The stakes are high. And that gives that gives us a good story that doesn't have a foregone conclusion.
1: Yeah, this is actually a criticism I have of mirror universe stories. It's it's a slight criticism, but the writers, because they normally can't kill the main cast when we get a mirror version, they just want to kill. They just want to kill somebody (laughs) as many people as possible. And so in these mirror universe stories, they have a very high fatality rate of familiar characters and it creates an imbalance between, Oh, all of our familiar characters are surviving in the prime universe, but they're dropping like flies in the mirror universe. Really? Um, If, if they're just morally altered versions of the same people, they, they should have similar survival skills and I think it limits the storytelling, even though you get a momentary juice of, oh, we just saw a familiar character killed. It it limits the storytelling because you're closing off
2: using that character in a future story. Contrary, though, I mean, they do. Arium survives longer in the mirror, mirror universe than she did in the prime universe. Because so, she was in this and, of course, was killed because they had to kill her again. You know,
1: it's not certain that this actually. I know, but it was happened. a rule, though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I. I think Deep Space Nine suffered from this in particular because they did so many mirror universe stories and they had closed off options with because the mirror characters are interesting. Don't kill them immediately. Bring them back and do stuff with them. You know, they did that with Mirror Kira as the Intendant.
0: Yes, yes. That was fascinating. (laughs) I can't wait to get to those episodes (laughs) when we talk about Deep Space Nine. Uh, So they have identified Lorca's co-conspirator named Duggan. And they have to go to RISA to get him. And uh which is apparently a dead planet at the time or something like this. And there, because there isn't a warp capable ship within
1: a hundred light years? Really? Yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. I
2: I Yeah. That's crazy. Yes.
0: Uh anyway.
2: Nazis he, like pleasure planets too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh well uh, apparently it was the wrong kind of pleasure planet, I guess, and got nuked at some point. Apparently.
0: They uh, he says Lorca has rallied the Klingons and Romulans against Giorgio, which may or may not be true. Uh, Probably isn't because, as you mentioned, he's look at this point has probably moved to the prime universe. Uh, Meanwhile, in the brig where Duggan has been put. Uh, Michael now reveals she's still against Giorgio, as he said, but Giorgio also reveals she was never fooled by Michael's turn. And so Killy and post Saru and others, which is it's very interesting that someone gave Saru a phaser, they come in to fight against these usurpers. Um, Giorgio says she saw another way to rule, but Michael only saw the iron fist and she has to kill Michael. And Giorgio is apparently fatally wounded or near mortally yeah. wounded
1: so i had some criticisms of this fight um and you know lots of people well it of the people who were there lots of them die and you have this mother on daughter battle um that michael initiates you know um so she's the aggressor giorgio has to defend herself and the the fatal and and giorgio apparently suffers a fatal wound but she doesn't die on screen she's still alive the last we see and it wasn't clear to me when the fatal wound was struck and i i could go back and try and watch it again and try to find it but i shouldn't have to you should make as filmmakers you should make it clear to me when a fatal wound is struck What does happen, though, is uh, we get a very clear hit of Giorgio stabbing Michael in the stomach with a sword, which instantly kills Michael. Memo to writers, the stomach is not a vital organ, (laughs) causing (laughs) causing. Causing stomach wounds leads to one of the slowest deaths possible that will still kill someone because it's just a blood loss death. There's nothing vital there. And so you have to wait for the person to bleed out. And thus, in the Old West, a cruel way of killing someone was to shoot them in the stomach because they would, they would bleed out and they would be conscious for all of that. If you want an instant death, it needs to be something vital like a heart or a brain
2: right mm-hmm. right and, and and by the way with the with the 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 uh, the hit, the the fatal blow on uh on georgia um it it is hard to see I, it was only until the second time I watched the episode that I saw it was as Giorgio speared basically you know ran ran uh burn him through, she came over the top with a knife and got basically like in the neck like right up in the top you know shoulder above the shoulder blade neck in that area. Because then you see the knife sticking out that Giorgio then pulls out again. But it wasn't because it also it looked like she just kind of like the hand flopped over her shoulder when she was stabbed. When Burnham was stabbed that the hand just flopped over the shoulder. But that was actually that was the blow. And as. In theory.
1: As Mirror Saru points out, the doctors are coming, and as they say on lower decks, "Come on, people, we live on a spaceship. <laughs> this is not a fatal wound. <laughs> right. You get your aorta exactly. cut, fine. Clamp a hand over it, and five minutes later, they'll have it regenerated." Right, <laughs>
0: exactly. Uh, I think I have to admit I was probably distracted by the special effect of the sword going through uh, Michael's stomach and out her back, uh, which. Mm-hmm. Was not perfect. I I have to say that it was that a wasn't a practical effect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I could, but you could kind of see like it was wavering and not quite like matching up. So anyway, I was distracted. uh In any case, Giorgio. Well, so we don't know whether she survived. She may have been able to survive, but she wakes up on the mirror. Uh, so
1: so she she wakes up back on the planet on the ice planet. Uh, yeah, on the other on the other side of the door. And Carl, and we have ambiguity about what just happened. Um, now, it's it. We know it. It's real because she checks her she checks her Fitbit, and there's three months worth of data points there, even though only a minute has passed
2: for Carl and Michael. Right. And this is this is the reference to Carl Sagan's book that I mentioned earlier. Um, he wrote a book called Contact, which later became the Jodie Foster movie. Yeah the movie makes it a little more explicit than the book does, but the idea is they go through a wormhole to meet this intelligence. They're there for a period of time and come back. And when they come back their their cameras are blank. Well, it turns out as the movie puts it, that there was 18 hours of static on the camera, even though they were gone for just a blink of an eye, just like uh, Giorgio was. And so that's how they knew that the travel had actually occurred in contact. Well, so this is the reference of that, that they knew that she had been there for three months because there's the 3 months of data on her little wrist fitbit right so so
1: we know that it's real but then michael says well then who's been here with us for uh for the last minute and Carl says that we have so many selves and so this is where the logic kind of works and it kind of doesn't but it's mystical so go with it um there and he says there's another Giorgio in the mirror universe who's breathing her last right now but you're here and so Carl implies that the Giorgio that's in the mirror universe is dying, which doesn't make sense given the kind of wound she suffered and the fact they live on a spaceship and doctors are on the way. Um, I, I, I kind of tend to reject his uh, until they establish otherwise on screen. I reject Carl's inference that she is dead because it's so much more fun to think about Giorgio as the emperor during the time of the original Mirror Mirror episode, because they refer to the emperor in that episode. And it's so much fun to think about that being Giorgio.
0: (laughs) That's true. And he does hold up the (laughs) newspaper that now says Giorgio's fate is uncertain. Emperor Giorgio. So well, talking about the prime timeline. one Right, right. But there's a maybe implication. OK, but the best
1: part of the episode is when uh, right oh, now well, before before we get. Yeah, yes. And before we get to the big reveal, yes, Giorgio has another attack where her face goes all pointy scrunchy. Yes, yes. and yes. And Michael says, wait, I thought you said going through the door was going to help her. And he says, oh, no, it was that wasn't to help her. That was to evaluate her. Right. It was a test. Now comes the helping part. Yes. Exactly. And
0: so they say, "Who are you?" And he says, "Carl." No, who are you really? And then we have the voice, "I am the guardian of forever." And that's when I threw my fist in the air and said,
2: "Yes!"
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I I think they should have So what they do is they take the audio from the original City on the Edge of Forever. Where the where Kirk and Spock ask the Guardian, "Who are you?" and he says, "I am the Guardian of Forever," and it's really cheesy and dramatic. They lift that exact audio, uh-huh. and it kind of works in that context. But putting it here in this more realistic context, coming out of the mouth of a man who you know is kind of nebbishy guy doesn't quite work. And they blend the audio of the current actor saying it with the original. But I think they've got the mix wrong. I think, the, I think they should have made Carl's voice more primary and the original audio of The Guardian speaking less primary because it just dominates for most of that. And I find it distracting because suddenly his voice is changing and big and booming and echoey and ominous out of nowhere. And it's like Carl has not taken this approach up to now. It feels artificial. And I get that they want to do a callback. What I would have done is have um have him say i am the guardian of forever in his voice and put a subtle cue of the original audio below it so it doesn't feel so out of context
0: i like the big reveal i like the big it's fan service i know and it's i yeah. I, I like oh, the it's
2: total fan service <laughs> I, I,
0: I like the emotion it
1: conveys I, I like that it it gets the fans all excited what, what I do like is what they do visually. Yes. Again, this is the show rather than tell. Yep. They have the door, the wooden door that Carl has been using, explode and then reform as a modernized version of the original Guardian Forever with cgi and with this swirling vortex down the middle of it and that looks really cool and i love that part yes the time vortex right in front of them <laughs> and yeah, the drums exactly. no i'm sorry that's something else and the time tunnel with within 24 hours someone had made a time tunnel parody of this <laughs> the time tunnel was was another 1960s Irwin allen show
2: and it was and kind of interesting too if you look in the, the time vortex you can actually see like mirrors of the uh i think it was uh of Giorgio, actually, so you standing in front of it, and you can see kind of like mirror reflections of it in that time tunnel. All
0: the different that kind options, of in, right? All the different times. So, uh, the, of course, the the episode we we jump from "I Am the Guardian Forever" in this big reveal, and then we're back to Discovery, <laughs> so because we're yeah. in order to kind of advance the B plot, which is a book. Now shows up and having been told we have to follow protocol, breaks protocol and brings along this piece of tech from the Emerald Chain, which nobody knew about at the Federation, even. Uh, that allows them to extend the subspace range of their radios because they're trying to take control of this kelpian research ship that's stuck in the varuba nebula that might be the source of the burn uh, and they were unable to to take control so they can read the sensors and this allows them to do that so this is the amplifier
2: yeah, it's just basically a, a subspace subspace signal booster. Try to say that three times fast. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, kind of like you know, if you've got if you you uh, over the air antenna and you need to boost the signal of the coming off the antenna, well, that's basically what it it's is. It's a Wi
0: Fi hotspot for subspace. <laughs> yes. So, uh, uh, so we get a you know a a bit about that. Nothing, nothing much more than that important
1: happens in that scene. Um. So we have, well, nothing much more important happens in this episode. I mean, as soon as the only stuff that's interesting in this episode is the mirror universe stuff and what happens on the planet with the Guardian. Right,
0: Mm -hmm. right. The B plot is the future episode, probably the next one or the one after that
2: being prepped for for uh, arrival. The only 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 part about on on the planet is that's one of the few times in discovery where the emotional scene actually, first of all, makes sense. You know, and I like that scene better than a lot of the other ones because we actually got to see Giorgio as a caring person and not always having the snark and cut downs and attacks. And that part of it was interesting. Of course, the... oh. Saru is not the only person destined for the captain's chair.
0: Well, let's let's right. let's not skip too much ahead on that, because I do want to kind of cover well, this. The, is, the this stuff is, that's this. Well, there. This is yeah. this
2: is the, that scene. So
1: back down on the planet, they asked the Guardian. They've never heard of the Guardian because, of course, City on the Edge of Forever hasn't happened yet. And he he in their timeline and back in the when they were from. And so he says they ask, what are you doing? And he says, well, to tell you the truth, I've been hiding. Uh, I'm way far away from where I originally was found. And the reason I've been hiding is because of the temporal wars. Uh, Originally, back in the day, it was all fun and games. Yes, you can travel to the past. Just don't mess it up. And in which case you have to fix it. So there's our (laughs) reference to city on the edge of forever. Yep. Um, and that kind of thing was OK. But when the Temporal Wars came, people wanted to use me to as a weapon. And I didn't like that. It was messy. And so I'm hiding to keep that from happening again. And the Sphere data was able to deduce th- where he would go in, 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 com- in combination with modern Federation databases. It knew about the Guardian. It could figure out he's on this planet. So that's why it guided them here. Um, he, and, and I like all that. That's great. We get, uh, he, he, he tells, uh, Giorgio that she can go through the, uh, the, the guardian now, and it will take her somewhere that will be where she'll live. Um, she won't tear her molecules apart, uh, but, uh, it, it's also her future is uncertain and it'll be an adventure and so that's our allusion to the upcoming section 31 series and so he gives he vanishes and gives Michael and Giorgio a moment he says go through whenever you're ready and so they get a moment Giorgio says things like you know I've been really close to you and I and there was someone else in the past named San who I never got to tell you about who was really close to me and so like we heard her calling the name San in her in her delirium flashbacks because of the molecule sickness and they haven't paid that off at all. So I put in my notes, new series, meaning that who San is will be explored in the new series. And Michael then immediately says, tell the people you're about to meet now about (laughs) San. So it's like, yep, it's right there. That's the (laughs) obvious
0: thing. Hang a pig on that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and and Giorgio then Father Corey alluded to this. Says Saru's not the only person you know who's suited to be captain, and in essence, you need to revisit this question and fight to the death over the captain's chair.
0: Because <laughs> after all, she is the Terran Emperor <laughs> at heart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm curious where they're going to go with this. Is this question of who is the who is the captain of Discovery? If that's going to be maybe the next season. A, an issue that comes up with Vance sort of throwing that into question, who should be the captain, Burnham or Saru or something along those yeah, lines.
1: Yeah, because because even though he's supportive right now, Vance has a pattern of questioning Saru's decision making. Right.
0: In fact, that's the very next thing that happens is uh, when they report to Vance about the, the, the data that they're getting from the Kiev, the ship called the Kiev in the Veruban Nebula, Vance is. His concern is, wait, you used emerald chain technology to do this. This is not protocol. This is dangerous.
1: Uh, And he's right. That could have a virus on it. I mean, we have protocols in our military. You do not bring on unscreened, unauthorized stuff and plug it into the system. Don't plug in those stuff, military
2: Corporates, corporate. You know, corporate IT departments throw a fit if you even think about loading on a screensaver, much less <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. like important communication software like a VPN or something like that.
0: Especially given the the Discovery Spore Drive and how
1: much Osira would love to get her hands on it. Yeah. So Vance is all like, don't you know the Chinese Communist Party is conducting cyber attacks on us? Haven't you seen Mr. Robot? <laughs> exactly.
2: exactly.
0: You installed Zoom on the Discovery's computers? Come on. <laughs> Which is actually kind of an analogy there. <laughs> if you yeah, think about it, it is. Because Zoom is kind of Chinese spyware. <laughs> it is. It, not even just kind of, I think. Anyway, <laughs>
1: that's yeah. a whole
2: other discussion <laughs> for the secrets of I technology. <laughs> uh, this episode brought to you by Google Meet.
1: <laughs> I actually. I bought a new device because I had to use Zoom for something. So I bought a new device and Zoom is only on that device. Yes. It will never oh. be on anything else. Yes.
0: Uh, so, it, yeah, the, we'll, we've talked about it on Secrets of Tech uh, several times. and There's a new story that we'll talk about on, the, on an upcoming episode. In any case, um, they Saru tells Vance, look, having Book here... Uh, outside of Starfleet protocol might be helpful for us to, when we're fighting Osira in this Emerald Chain, you know, getting someone who sort of thinks outside the Starfleet Federation box. Book makes that point. Yeah. Uh, right. And uh, Saru kind of backs him up. But yes, uh, th- this, but that. this is where, again, where you made the point about Vance is getting a little leery of Saru's decision making here.
1: Yeah. And and among other things he cites is Saru initially, when they first had a kind of a breakthrough, he could have reported it to Vance, but he said, let's wait until we get more info. And Vance doesn't like the fact that Salute delayed reporting and he wants prompt reports in the future.
0: Right. Although if he puts burn him in charge he's not going to be any happier i think
2: <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> I, that right now at least it doesn't seem like he, he'd be inclined at all to give her anything more than you know chief uh, deck washer
0: right right well well when she when she solves the burn at the end of this series season or whatever yeah, that might might change their minds just like in the first season uh in any case we end the
1: episode with a wake for really long scene yes. where Emotion. they're all in <laughs> yeah, they're all in the they're all in the mess hall and they're drinking a couple of toasts to Giorgio and I, I understand that you know people will get together after someone has in this case not really died but you know gone away forever and and toast them and say nice things about them, as well as poking some fun. You know, Michael says she was a pain in the A-double-S, um, but, uh, and, and they'll reminisce about people and all that's fine. I mean, you know, she's effectively died. I mean, she did go into the past and she's presumably going to die in the past. So she's now dead from your frame of reference, um, So awake is appropriate. But my problem is in the context of the overall series, this is another praise people scene. You know, let's affirm this person and talk about how great they were and blah, blah, blah. And it's like if if this was the only one in the series, it would be fine because it would be appropriate to the moment. But we have just been pummeled with scenes like this this season over and over and we And we could have done without this. And it certainly didn't have to go on for as long as it did. They've they've
0: fallen on this crutch of ending episodes with scenes of you're the greatest. Aren't you wonderful? You know, like we had with when Tilly was becoming first officer, just say yes. And all these scenes, you're right. Or when
1: when Nahan was talking to uh, Burnham about you're the bestest ever and 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 Stamets talking to Adira repeatedly it.
2: yes the the uh, yeah the here's your participation trophy here's your participation trophy here's <laughs> yes. your participation trophy
0: gosh darn it i what was the uh oh the uh, the saturday Night live let's get uh, you're good enough i'm good
2: enough i'm smart smart, enough. smart enough. <laughs> enough and gosh darn it people like me <laughs> yeah, here, something yeah. like that's basically what Stuart we are Stuart smally Stuart this, Smalley, this yeah. is
0: the Stuart Smalley scene of this episode yeah yeah i agree i agree all right. And that's uh, that's where the episode ends. Uh, and that ends Philippa Giorgio uh, in Discovery and uh, ends uh, um, the guest star of uh, Michelle Yeoh in Discovery, The because the, she's been listed as guest star forever. So uh, any final thoughts on Terra Firma one and two? Father Corey?
2: Nothing here. Nothing here. OK.
1: So um, as we noted last episode, this two-parter kind of bookends the original two-parter that introduced the series. Both of them focused on Michael and uh, Giorgio in a barren environment and a sand desert in that case and an ice desert in this case. And so I thought that was all a nice touch. They both ended up with uh, Giorgio dying. Right. Um, but <laughs> ha- happier this time. Um, and these uh, it, these were the best two episodes of this season so far because they were the least reflective. They made their points. They had, you know, uh, they had a point of, okay, she's been improved by the morality of the prime timeline and, and she's going to, and all that's paint by numbers. I could see that, but it's a legitimate point and they executed it well, which is what I want to see. They can have their, You know, moral philosophy lesson of the week—that's fine. But I want to see it done well. And this time, because it was in the mirror universe, it gave them permission to show rather than just tell us all the time. And so I thought they were the most interesting. And I would have just cut out that stuff about the burn and left that to next episode.
2: Right. Right. You know, one thing I mentioned to Dom um, offline—you know—I just finished watching a binge watch of the Star Wars Clone Wars series and of course Mandalorian just finished up its second season and both you know have uh Dave Filoni involved and then John Favreau and the Mandalorian and one thing i said to Dom is the uh everyone from Alex Kurtzman on down uh, the producers and writers need to go do a master class with those two because they actually know how to tell a good story you know cuz consistently the Mandalorian has been a good story the clone wars was an excellent series for you know especially for an animated series and it's just they know how to tell a good story, and the Star Wars creators currently Star Trek struggle with that. Star Trek, to, Star Trek. Yeah. Excuse me. Yes, yeah, Star Trek creators. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lord X is about the only new Star Trek that actually tells a good story.
0: Well, the the key, I think, the key difference consistently. is consistently,
2: consistently. Yes, yeah,
0: consistently. The yes. key difference is that we don't have a. The Mandalorian is very focused and doesn't have a lot of extra stuff in it. It stays on its plot. It doesn't have excessive B and C and D plots, whereas Star Trek has shown the discovery has shown uh, a tendency to do that. So that's a good, that's an interesting point. Uh, Hopefully they would be, they become more focused. One thing I do want to mention is not next episode, but the episode after that, I don't know if they're going to, if this is at all going to be a big deal, it will be the 800th episode of Star Trek all together. So the 800th Hmm. episode of TV. Including Tass?
1: Yes. That's my immediate question. Oh,
0: yes. Uh, According to Memory Alpha, anyway, that will be the 800th episode of of a Star Trek series released, which is very interesting. Uh, It would be interesting to see them do something with that. But uh, maybe I haven't heard anything, so maybe they won't. Oh, in any case, uh, I think that about does it for this time. We'd like to take a moment to take to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Gene L., Chad M, Carlene A, JM, and Dion, Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. Now is a great time to become a StarQuest patron. Thanks to a generous gift from a StarQuest supporter, when you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give, the first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor. So if you say become a new patron at $10 a month, After three months, our donor will give us $30 to support all our shows, including The Secrets of Star Trek, which makes your gift go even further. So if you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, now is the time. Visit sqpn.com slash give today. So what did you think of Terra Part two, part one and two. You can let us know by commenting at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next Discovery episode called The Citadel. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Akin, thank you as well. Thank you, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest, and remember, even the darkest night will end, and the sun will rise. And Merry Christmas, everyone.